0: you're listening to a talk recorded live at wildfires 2019 find out more about wildfires at wildfiresfestival.com or find us on social media amazing i love that word that that john had for tim about australia that's great just as long as i can come to i'm in i'm in um I really sense that God has given me a word to share this morning. And actually, it's, it's one word. And the word that I sense God has given me to share this morning is this word confidence. Confidence. Even as I say it, I can feel the Spirit stirring in my soul. And I've, I've kind of been spiritually sitting on this one word, confidence, for the last couple of weeks. And uh, I sense that God wants to speak to us specifically, some of us really specifically, around this word confidence. God-given, spirit-sustained, Bible-based confidence. As Sammy mentioned, Tim and I, uh, we have four young children. There is nothing like young children to really build your sense of confidence. Uh, I can recall a couple of months ago, Uh, Tim and I were having dinner with our kids, the six of us were sitting around together, uh, and one of our kids was sharing how uh, that that day at school, somebody had been unkind to them. And because I am a a sensitive, empathetic parent all of the time, all of the time, I thought it might be helpful for me to share a story that happened to me when I was uh, at the end of primary school, uh, a, a situation quite similar. And so I began to share about how there was this boy at my school who was often rude to me about the way that I looked. I was um, at that particularly awkward stage where my adult teeth were kind of too big for my face, you know, the face. Uh, I also sucked my thumb, uh, and so not only were they quite substantial, my front teeth, but they also helpfully protruded quite prominently from my face as well. Uh, And so... This boy loved to draw attention to this particular feature, and if I was ever nearby, he would very uh, sweetly do a rabbit impression of me for the whole class to hear. It's okay, you can pray for me later. Uh, And so I didn't actually share any of that stuff with my kids. I just said to them, look, I know how you feel. There was a boy at my school who was really unkind to me about the way that I looked, and my eldest daughter, uh, she is naturally really caring and sweet and sensitive and, and usually very intuitive. And she kind of just looked at me, rested her hand on my arm and said, Mom, I, I know. It's okay. I know. And I said, Well, what do you know? What do you know? And she said, I know what that boy was rude to you about. And it's, and it's okay. It's okay. And I was like... You, you, you know. Yes, I know, Mum. I know. Okay. Well, well, what is it that, that he was rude to me about? And she just looked at me like it was blindingly obvious and said, "Your big nose." Of course. It's like, thanks. And and I realised that you all have a 360 enjoyment of my side profile. So again, you can pray for me later about that. Confidence. So we're here to talk about confidence. Jeremiah 17:7 7 says, "But blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green, and it has no worries in a year of drought and never fails." to bear fruit. We are here to contend, yes? We have come to contend. We've come to stand our ground together in prayer, in worship, in community. We have come to contend that God would move so powerfully in this nation, yes? We are here to contend. That God would move in a way that is totally beyond us but I also sense that God has carved out a moment for us here this morning to contend for one another under this word confidence, to contend for one another as individuals, as churches, as kingdom builders together, to contend on behalf of one another by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would not lose our confidence in the beauty and the power of the gospel. Amen? Amen. And it's effectiveness. You know, we are all carriers of this gospel. We've all been uniquely placed and commissioned to carry and proclaim this amazing truth. In Colossians 1, Paul says, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. To make known to those God has chosen the glorious mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We've been chosen. We have been called, every single one of us, no exceptions, no exclusions. We have all been called to carry this stunning truth, to make known this amazing truth, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory that we would take this truth and we would see people saved by it, transformed by it. This is our calling, all of us. Now, of course, the specifications and the details of how that calling will be worked out will be different and unique for each of us, depending on the gifts and the skills that he's given us and where he's placed us to be. But this is the calling, and what a calling. What a privilege, but that calling is going to be contested. It will be contested because the Bible makes it very clear that we are in a battle. Of course, the victory has been won, but we exist in the battle. There's a reason that Paul says that he is strenuously contending in Colossians 1. And I wonder if one of the things that most undermines that calling that God has placed on every single one of us is confidence, is confidence. And I wonder if there are people here and what you're experiencing is a crisis of confidence, a crisis of confidence. And a crisis of confidence can come in two forms as we follow Jesus. We can experience a crisis of confidence in who God says we are and what he's called us to do, Or we can experience a crisis of confidence over who God says he is and what he is able to do. And I believe that God, by his Spirit, wants to revive confidence in us today. Hebrews 10 says, In light of what Jesus has won for us, In light of all that we have received, in spite of the hardship and resistance and disappointment and persecution and sacrifice, verse 35 says, Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what has been promised. Do not throw away your confidence do not throw away your confidence. In 1979, Jimmy Carter was the president of the United States. Not to be muddled up with Jimmy Carr. I always get those two muddled up. Jimmy Carter was the president of the United States, 1979, and he famously gave a speech called A Crisis of Confidence. And at that time in America, uh, the states were experiencing a crisis around energy. Basically, they were importing all their energy from the Middle East, and they were essentially consuming more than they were able to import. And so there was this national sense of unease and crisis. And so Jimmy Carter thought about what he was going to do, and instead of kind of shipping in all the experts, he decided that he would spend this sort of consultation process with a whole load of just everyday people, a whole range of people from across the states, different backgrounds, occupations, walks of life, and he just spent days listening to what they had to say. And at the end of that consultation process, he, he kind of distilled his thoughts. And the conclusion that he came to was, yes, there was a specific crisis that America was facing. And yes, there would be further political and economic crises down the road, But he concluded that in that moment, America was experiencing a crisis of confidence about who it was and what it stood for. That this crisis of confidence was around its national sense of identity and purpose. And I think some of us need to allow the truth of God's word and the empowering presence of God's Holy Spirit to renew a confidence within us about who God says we are and what it is that he has called us to, to renew our confidence in our own identity and purpose. And this isn't self-confidence, you know, that the world often talks about, you know, believe in yourself. That's not what we're talking about. This isn't about basing your confidence on all your own abilities. This is a God-given confidence built on the deep foundation and the deep knowledge that we are beloved children of God, cherished and chosen and destined and empowered and divinely graced with gifts and talents that we can use for His glory, that we can use to point others to Him. That's the sort of confidence that we are talking about And with confidence, there are these kind of two opposite dangers. We can either become confident in our own brilliance, you know, that we become so self-reliant that we lose our reliance on Jesus. That we actually get really good at just doing things in our own strength until we wear ourselves out. Or the opposite danger is that we have no confidence at all. We feel that we have nothing to offer. We don't have a place at the table. We've got nothing to bring. In fact, some of us hide behind this sort of false sense of humility that actually all we feel deep down is just unqualified or even disqualified for whatever reason. And the reality is there are particular seasons in life that we have to walk through that will contribute to our confidence being rocked or shaken at times, it could be journeying through long-term illness that kind of takes you out of the game for a season, or it might be coming out of a toxic relationship that's kind of left you emotionally scarred and battered. Can rock your confidence, or it might be a job opportunity that, that ended up sort of turning sour and has left you uh, reeling from a lack of knowing who you are and what you're about, or. Or maybe even a moral failure that has felt really public. Or just a season where your identity and purpose is challenged. I know for me, when I became a mum for the first time uh, 11 years ago, I'd wanted to be a mum for all my life really. And it's not something that I took for granted and it's not something that I take for granted now. But I was in a job and a career, a calling that I loved, and stepping out of that and into that season of motherhood was really difficult for me at times. Now, I love my kids ferociously. And as I look back, there's there's nothing that I would change. In fact, we produced our four children fairly quickly. Tim had a little bit to do with it. I have to confess. Uh, And so I was at home with our children kind of immersed in that all-consuming world of nappies and sleep deprivation, some of you will know what I mean, for seven years. And in that seven years, I knew I was called to be there. I knew I was called to be there at that time. I knew it. But at times, I lived in this paradox of feeling overwhelmed with love and yet completely overwhelmed. At times, I felt like bored and yet totally stretched. At times, uh, I felt like I was kind of burdened with responsibility and yet void of significance. And the ultimate paradox was this sense of feeling absolutely called to be there at that time, and yet also really aware that there were dreams and hopes that God had placed in my life that I had to consciously put on the back burner for a time. And so... As our kids grew up and went off to school and I kind of re-emerged out of that season, I was like raring to go. I was raring to go and I knew God had opened up particular opportunities for me. I was stepping into church planting, stepping into leadership, and yet my confidence felt rocked. You know, the dreams were still there, but the confidence wasn't. And probably on the outside, I looked like I was ready to take on the world. But inside, I knew my confidence was shaking. And if there were two things at that time that had the potential to make me want to step back and retreat back into the familiarity of the season that I had known, it was these two things, the fear of failure and the corruption of comparison think some of us are paralyzed by a fear of failure. We're so terrified of failing. I heard about this, this young man who was a student, and he was studying for the finals of his exam finals, and he was so wracked with anxiety around passing these exams, and this was a highly capable, gifted student, and it got so bad that his parents got involved, and so Him and his parents went for a meeting with his tutor at the university and they sat down together. And within a few minutes, the tutor could see that that this young man was in a really bad way, just wrapped with this fear of failure. And so the tutor, fairly remarkably, looked at the young man, the student, and he said, what if I give you an A? What if I give you an A right now? Would that help? If I just give you the A right now, And there was kind of silence in the room for a moment. And then the boy nodded his head and said, yeah, I reckon that would help. And the tutor said, fine, I'm giving you an A. You've got an A right now. Now go and do your exams. And so the boy, the young man sat his exams and passed with flying colors on his own merit. And then the parents phoned up the tutor and just said, look, we just wanted to phone you to thank you the tutor said, hey, don't thank me. All I did was I took the fear away. That's all I did. I took the fear away. And again, for some of us, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to come and take the fear away. And let's not confuse fear. Sometimes when God asks us to step into a particular calling, there will be Fear. We see that response in the Bible all the time. There will be fear. So let's not assume that fear means that it's not from God. Often it's quite the reverse. But fear of failure is different. And so when God asks us to step out, let's ask the question, am I afraid of the task or the opportunity, or am I afraid that I might just fail at it? We need to ask the question, what am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? I heard about this um, this interesting psychology study. I was looking at the psychology of confidence, and I came across this interesting study. And you know, we see the way that confidence impacts sports, right? The psychology of confidence. We see it in the sporting world. You know, that, that's why it's impossible to predict the outcome of a, a game or a match just purely based on a person or a team's ability and skill, because we know, right, that the emotions, that the mind plays a huge role, which is why, incidentally, England so rarely win at football, although my husband tells me that is changing. Anyway, so this study that I found was about gender differences in maths. It's about gender differences in math. Just one caveat before I share this with you. I I don't want to make any sweeping statements about gender in sharing this with you. I absolutely believe that God has made us male and female, and we are to love and to serve and to work alongside each other really, really well. I, I love men. I have got some amazingly godly wonderful men in my life. I get to live with an amazingly godly man, Noah Smith, who was playing on drums. He happens to be our housemate. Also Tim, my husband, I get to live with him and he's pretty awesome too. So this study that I came across The reason I wanted to share it is because I think there's something in this that is actually really important for some of the women in this room to hear, but actually for all of us to hear. And so this study, as I said, gender differences in maths, and the area of maths that the focus of this study was particularly on was this area called mental rotation. And what's interesting about this area of mathematics is historically men have always outperformed women in this particular area uh, area of maths. And there have been neurological studies and psychological studies trying to understand why, trying to understand why there's this difference in the way that men and women perform when tested in this particular area. And so this study that I came across wanted to test the impact of confidence on this area of mathematics. And so what this team of psychologists did is they tested various groups of men and women. And what they did is they, they got them to sit two tests, one after the other. And in the first test, the men and the women were given the option to answer as many of the questions as they felt able to answer And when the results of that test came back, it was as expected. The men outperformed the women. But in the second test, the group of men and women was told that they couldn't skip any of the questions. They had to answer every single question. And what's fascinating is that When the women weren't given the option to skip questions they weren't confident about or they risked failing at, the results came back even. In the first test, given the option to opt out, generally speaking, the women's lack of confidence overtook their ability. And the reason I share that It's because I see that happen all the time. I see it happen all the time. Gifted, godly, anointed women who have been called into a particular area of ministry or profession or whatever it might be. And they are sidelined by their lack of confidence. And it is so tragic It is so tragic. There have been so many times in my own life when I've stood up to speak like this, kind of alive in what I've sensed God has given me to share. And then as I step off the stage, I experience this wave of shame and and kind of failure and shame that comes with that, like this crushing wave. And it's often kind of irrational and unquantifiable. And as I've shared that with others they said, I feel like that too. And then I have this sense in my head, which is never do that again. Never risk standing up there and experiencing that feeling again. And I know I'm not alone. I know others share in that feeling, maybe in a completely different context. It might not have anything to do with speaking in public or standing on a stage. But it's that feeling of stepping out into what you no god has called you to and feeling so crushed in the moment and then i've seen people choose not to get back up again to opt out to opt out to choose the safer option and i believe we've got to contend for one another men and women we've got to contend for one another that we wouldn't opt out of what god is calling us to We've got to contend for the confidence to step into all that God has called us to be, all that God has called us to do, no matter what the cost. There's also the corruption of comparison that holds us back. And if we allow it, comparison will kill our confidence in who God says we are and all that he's called us to do. It's under comparison that we become so distracted, we, we become so preoccupied, don't we, with how everybody else is doing, how much better able or how much better placed everybody else is doing, just what we think we're doing okay, you know, we're, we're moving forward, we're, we're making some impact, we're at peace with who God has made us to be and what he's called us to. And then we scroll through Instagram and we're confronted by someone who seems to be doing something that we care about much better than us, whether it's running a business or raising a family or staying in shape or cooking their dinner, whatever it might be. And we experience that horrible sense of comparison as we consider our own now sort of pitiful existence. It's so robbing. It's so undermining. And that confidence-sapping moment leads to those destructive narratives You know, just don't bother. Don't bother. You've got nothing to offer. Shrink back. Play it safe. Or we we turn to striving. We just try even harder or, or we become critical and resentful. We need to allow the Holy Spirit. We need to allow the truth of God's word to transform the way that we see ourselves. Away from how the world will measure us away from how the enemy will condemn us. And if there's, if there's one person that I know that has chosen to put their confidence in who God says she is, is my friend Louise. Louise is one of the students at Gas Street. She's an amazing person. And God started to speak to Louise about proclaiming his word about standing up and speaking what you need to know about louise before she comes and shares just a few moments of her story is that she also has quite a pronounced stammer and she has overcome she has chosen to place her confidence in him in order to do the things that she's called to so louise why don't you just welcome her as she comes up to the stage
1: So yeah, I'm Louise, um, and I've been asked to share a bit about how I found the confidence to speak out um, and share the stuff that God's put on my heart in front of large crowds like this, when speaking isn't something that the world would say I excel at. for those of you that aren't sure, just before I start, a stammer is basically when your mouth physically stops you from being able to say certain words or certain sounds, um, and that's kind of heightened when I'm like anxious or stressed or um, outside in a tent, sleeping and getting tired. Lots of different things contribute to it. Um, it's a bit hit and miss, so right now it's not too bad, but um, it can kind of come in waves. Um, so when, as a teenager, someone... <laughs> prophesied over me that God wanted to speak through me, um, to speak in public, it seemed a bit ridiculous. Um, because as far as the world was concerned, I didn't know how to talk. Um, but I believed and believe in a God that looks at things a bit differently from the way that the world does. I heard about a Jesus who does not care for perfect people but who consistently and deliberately chooses to work through the weak, the downtrodden, and the vulnerable. <laughs> However, it's, been, um, it's, it's quite easy to talk the talk, but to actually step out has been a real journey for me. Um, and what I've found is that it's in the small steps that I've chosen to take that has enabled me to kind of stand here today. Um, And I totally agree with Rachel that um, my confidence has come from understanding who I am in Jesus and not um, in who the world says I am. So a really quick example of that um, is when I was at school having to answer the... Register five times or five or six times a day it was such a nightmare. Um, that, like, under the time pressure of having to answer yes, miss, or yes, sir, was a real stress. I would clam up, I would really panic, um, and it would just be so awkward it would, when I would just pause and everyone would turn to stare. Um, but I quickly learned that when I brought Jesus into that moment, that to be honest, was quite a small, insignificant moment. I would gain such a feeling of freedom. I began to get my perspective that my identity is from how he sees me and not from how my classmates saw me. Um, I would imagine Jesus crouching down next to me, holding my hand in those maths classes. And I would just, and as the teacher went down the names in the register, I would just repeat in my head: Jesus loves me. He makes me brave. Jesus loves me. He makes me brave over and over again. And when the teacher got down to my name, there would still be such a long awkward pause and I would still stammer painfully. Um, But I didn't care as much. Um, I refused to hear the voice of the enemy telling me to be ashamed and instead heard the sound of heaven cheering me on. of of God's huge smile, smiling down on me as my proud father. I was rooting my identity in Jesus and what he said I could do and not in what the world said I could do. Um, And what I truly believe is that these small steps are a form of spiritual warfare. Little did year eight Louise know that in choosing to bring Jesus into a moment that seems so insignificant, I've enabled myself to stand here today literally before I came up I was repeating the same words Jesus loves me he makes me brave and I've been able to build my trust muscles to get up here um and I get like I guess how I wanted to end is just saying that I get my confidence from the knowledge that Jesus said I'm a powerful speaker and not from how smooth or polished or slick my speech is it can be I don't know how I'm going to speak some days at church when I spoke. It was horribly slow, really hesitant. Um, today it's completely smooth. But I know that either way, God wants to move through me. Um, so I just want to say thank you for the opportunity being able to share.
0: End with this. Um, for some of us, the crisis of confidence that we might be experiencing is not about who God says we are. It's about who God says he is, and what he is able to do. And this is the tension, isn't it, that we face? Because we live in the reality of living in this time where the kingdom of God is, is now But it's not yet. We see glimpses. We see a bit of breakthrough. But then it doesn't happen. The outcomes don't happen the way that we would want them to. And this is the tension that we face. And if we allow it, this tension can cause us to scale back our faith, our hope. It can cause us to manage our expectations. It can cause us to to do things in our own strength. It can cause us to sort of settle and begin to play it safe and and to stay comfy and still and to not move forward. Because at times it's just too hard when God doesn't show up the way that we want him to. As a church, at the beginning of the year, we were looking at the Apostle Peter. Amazing Apostle Peter and exploring what it would look like for us as a church community at the beginning of 2019 to embrace this year as like a year of adventure. That was our our little slogan. And if we look at the life of Peter, you know, full of contradictions and shortcomings, and yet he embodies this kind of spirit of adventure, right? And in the world's eyes, he's not particularly impressive, but he has absolute confidence in who Jesus says he is, that it causes him to, to step out into the unknown. And I've been thinking about that moment when Peter, you know, he he steps out of the water in, in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the storm. He he steps out onto the water, the only disciple to do that. And, And as I've thought about that scripture, this phrase went round my head. That phrase, you know, don't rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. Whatever you do, don't rock the boat. Don't don't change anything. Don't mess with things. Don't do anything drastic. Just pray things nice and safe and predictable and comfortable. But the sense I had for our church and the sense that I have now is that God is saying, rock the boat! Rock the boat. Rock the boat of your fear. Rock the boat of your apathy. Rock the boat of your comfort. Rock the boat of your disappointment. Don't settle for the boat when God is calling you onto the water. Don't settle. Rock the boat. Put your confidence in Him and step out onto the water. Because quite frankly, there is too much at stake, right? As we look around, there is too much at stake not to do it. Now is not the time to get comfortable. Now is not the time just to plod along spiritually. It's not the time just to maintain the status quo. It's so tragic, isn't it, when in the world around us, Christianity is perceived as kind of parochial, you know, this like sanitized, anemic existence. Because when we put our confidence in Jesus, we become part of this much bigger plan, we become part of God establishing his kingdom here on earth. When we put our confidence in Jesus, we choose to see the world with eyes of faith, not to settle for what we see now, but eyes of faith, boldly believing for a different reality, a new kingdom-shaped reality, where we see lives transformed, where we see cities renewed, when we see churches on fire. That is what we're contending for. That's what we're contending for. But that kind of reality is not going to be ushered in by realists. That kind of reality will be ushered in by everyday, ordinary, imperfect, and yet grace-filled Christ followers who are bravely willing to face whatever uncertainty, failure, resistance, heartache might come our way. And yet, unswervingly, unapologetically continuing to put our confidence in who he says he is and what he is able to do, putting our confidence in the one who has already won. That's what we're called to do. And if there's one reason that we lose confidence in who God says he is, it's disappointment. We experience disappointment. Maybe we've stepped out of the boat. We've already stepped out of the boat. We've taken that step of faith. But then something happens. Something happens. We experience discouragement. And like Peter, we we become distracted and distressed by the storm around us. And the temptation just to pull back, to step back into the safety of the boat is so strong. And in that moment, we have a choice. Do we allow those disappointments to turn to resentment and cynicism? Or do we contend? Do we contend? Do we make the decision to not go back? Tim and I planted Street four years ago. And in many ways, it has been the adventure of a lifetime. The adventure of a lifetime. And there have been some wonderful stories, amazing stories. But, Aside from that, there have also been disappointments, personal disappointments, moments where we've thought, are we up to this? Are we really up to this? And there's this one verse in Psalm 27 that we have clung to, that we have held onto with both hands. Psalm 27 says this, I will remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord. I will remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Why don't we stand I'm conscious of time, but it would be amazing to pray. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. And with the time that we've got, let's just allow God to meet us. Holy Spirit, we just invite you now. Come. Come. You are the confidence bringer. You are the confidence giver. Would you come? Would you come now?
2: Love just to. Louise, I don't know if you're still here. I'd love you just to come and pray. Is that okay, Louise, wherever you are, to come and pray? Um, Stunning talk from Rachel. We're not going to take long because we haven't got long. But I'm just there there were two or three particular categories of people that I I I heard in Rachel's talk. There, first of all, women rachel's talked about the contesting that can be often just around confidence if you're a woman and um we want to pray for that we want to pray for women who really related to that secondly she talked about confidence around exams and i'm aware at this time of year that there'll be people who are facing major exams gcse's a levels finals and we want to pray that you get that sense of god giving you the a in advance or whatever it is and thirdly, Louise's testimony is so powerful that God would call Louise to speak when that's the very thing she finds so difficult. And I'm sure there will be people here, God is calling you to do things, and you, like Gideon, are saying, I am the worst equipped person for that particular thing. And Louise's testimony to you today is sometimes that's precisely why God has called you to do it. Aslan says to Prince Caspian, if you had felt yourself sufficient, it would have been proof that you were not. The world isn't looking for experts, but for weak, ordinary, broken vessels. And so um, this isn't like a checklist, but there's just a few hooks. If you're saying, I would like to receive an impartation from Louise, who with such courage has stood there and said, Jesus loves me, I'm going to be brave. I'd like to invite you uh, just to hold up your hand so that you can receive as she prays to you. And we have spoken to the youth and children's workers that are going to hold your kids for just a few more minutes, so don't panic. So if, you, if you're saying, yep, yeah, uh, that's me, then Louise, would you mind? Take all the time you want, but pray for us. <coughs>
1: I just ask for the Holy Spirit to come down now. Yeah, Lord, I just pray that you'll come down on every single person in this room, in this tent, but particularly on the people um, who have their arms stretched up to you, God. I thank you for the courage that it takes them um, now to put their arms up in the air, and I pray that you'll amplify that, um, and whatever it is that they are um, choosing to step out in in faith, I just declare that you're there to catch them when they slip, to push them up when they stumble, but more importantly, to put them up on a rock for the world to see how brave and courageous they are because they have you. And yeah, I just pray um, against the enemy's voice that can be so strong in this world that tells us that the weaknesses that we see in ourselves are supposed to hold us back and instead that we'll hear your voice God that tells us that those things can actually become our strength yeah I pray that you'll reveal to us that we are stronger than we realize we are stronger than we know because we have you by our side and not because of our own strengths but because we have the strength of a God who is powerful, who can do anything, but more importantly, that he loves us. Yeah, Thank you for your heart, God, for your radical, topsy-turvy, upside-down heart. Yeah, Holy Spirit, just come now on your people.